This is I Hate the Fins. This is our 36th podcast. Uh, welcome. Thank you. My name is Keith. I'm your host. I'm joined by Zach, my co-host, as always. Um, so we've been reading off our we started reading our mail the past couple of weeks and incorporating it into the show to make it halfway interesting. And plus to prove to people that there are people out there who actually listen to this show. Like we're not making that up. So we're going to continue to do that this week. I do want to offer the the disclaimer and no one told me to do this, but we do use some selective language on this show. Sometimes that's how we earn the, uh, <clears throat> the punk rock dolphins podcast title that we read on air a couple of weeks ago. So if that's a problem for you, it's pretty much a family friendly show, but sometimes uh profanity might come out there. We try to, we try to go ahead and keep that under wraps. Zach can't help himself. Sometimes yeah. Zach just drinks too much and Zach gets pissed about Ravens fans. It just happens sometimes. Zach shouldn't live in Baltimore and Zach oh, drinks too much. It's, it's bad news. So that's just something for you guys to keep in mind. Uh, we'll go ahead. Got a lot to talk about. It's been a weird couple of days. We'll say 48 hours for Dolphins fans. People are trying to find their feet after Dolphins won their second consecutive game. And just trying to figure out what the hell's going on here because we're in the middle of a tank. Then all of a sudden, you could tell when the Dolphins were on Monday night against Pittsburgh that they weren't bad enough to go 0-16. They really should have won that game. They did some really dumb things in the second half that looked like a team trying to tank. And then they beat Daddy Gase. Daddy Gase comes to town, loses in South Florida like usual. Nothing's changed there. Then the Dolphins went to Indianapolis on Sunday, and they win that game, too. And I think they led that entire game, didn't they? I don't think they ever trailed. Mm, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I, I think you're right at that point. I don't think so. I mean, if Jacoby Brissett plays, probably a different result. But the thing is, yeah. when you play games you should win, you should win them. And in the past, the Dolphins have found a way to lose those games. I always enjoy it when the Dolphins go to Indy and beat them, regardless of who's quarterback in the team. I think it's probably because I think their owner's an ass. So that's part of it. Um, but you, what you really have, people are calling this like an XFL roster right now, especially on defense. And they're winning games. They're beating teams that aren't very good, granted. Teams that are may very well be picking in the top 10. We, we can pretty much assume the Jets will be. Indy depends on the quarterback. But here we are. Brian Brian Flores is coaching this team up enough where people are starting to look at it now and you can see people start to buy in because these guys are getting trashed. I mean, you had in terms of what they were doing earlier in the season because it just looked like there wasn't any coaching to be had, which delighted the people who wanted to tank. But the other side of it is when you get these players that you're trying to tank for to uh, now Joe Burrow, Maybe it's Chase Young. What in the hell are you going to do with these guys once they're in-house if you don't have the coaching for them? Context matters so much when it comes to young prospects. We'll get into that more later. So now you're starting to see the other side of it, and suddenly it looks like this team is absolutely doing what Brian Flores wants them to do. You're getting pretty good production out of guys. And we talked about this today. Other teams' table scraps, like Ken Crawley, one of them, Eric Rowe. Eric Rowe was an absolute nightmare earlier this season, and now like he looks good. Nick Needham, Nick Needham was horrific early on, 
And I think like you can make the case on Sonny is one of their best players, which is really messed up to say. So we get a lot of mail, not well, not a lot, but a decent amount of mail, and some of it amuses me. We get the occasional hate letter. I will always read those on air because those are too good to not share with you. But we got a couple uh, this week. Some of them are draft related. I picked a few. So, Zach, you have not heard any of these. I've hid them from you. I have not. I've hid them from you mainly because they build you up and they make me look terrible. And I'm not comfortable with that. So more often than not, you're not going to see this. But here we are. Uh, Number one, this is from... I got an email from, uh, this is just a normal name. It's not anything Dolphins related. So anyway, his name is, uh, his name is Joe. Joe wants to know what you would do. He said, how likely do you think it is the Dolphins trade up into the top two for a quarterback? Now that it all, for all intents and purposes, it looks like they're not going to get there. Do you think they'll do it? And what would you do? Mm. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting. We've we've kind of hit on it before. I think, I think if a team is convinced that one of those two guys, um, if we're talking at this point, Tua and Burrow, um, are your guy, then you go get a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, I think I, I threw it out there very quickly to you, very lightly. Would you, if you could get a guy that's a potential franchise quarterback, would you use two first round picks instead of one? And the answer most of the time is yes. Um, you know, so we've seen people give up way more than that for who they supposedly think would be a franchise quarterback. Um, we're not really in that day and age anymore. Um, if it's me and especially if you're picking four and whoever, you know, say you're not going to get to one. Um, but the guy at two, you're, you're in that jets scenario. We're like, look, we really liked Baker. We really like Sam Darnold, whichever one we get at two, we will be very happy with we think both of them can be franchise guys if they have the same convictions about Tua and Burrow um I think at that point if you need to trade two you you know that number four pick whatever the Steelers pick now is which I think is I want to say 22 yeah I think it's 22 uh so I mean but I mean if if you have to trade say it is Washington who I'd hate to give anything to because Dan Snyder's that freaking worst um, if you got to trade four twenty two and let's say I don't know a a a third this year or a third next year or something like that, I would do that in a heartbeat if I think one of those two guys is is a franchise quarterback for me. So I I think that's a a pretty easy yes on both of those in my opinion. Well, I think that it would be unrealistic to look at the crap load of picks they've acquired. And think they're not going to do something with it if it if they're within striking distance. Now, getting to one doesn't seem feasible because Cincinnati needs a quarterback as bad as anyone. Yep. And I mean, and new regime there in terms of you got Zach Taylor. What's the old adage with quarterbacks? He wants his guy. Blah blah blah. So getting to one probably not going to happen. Getting to two, it, it's interesting that. There are some draft scenarios when you lay them out, they might not have to trade up. I mean, there's a couple of things going there. I mean, you want you'd want the Giants in front of you. Ideally, you don't want Washington in front of you unless you're the team making that deal with them because you have to figure that one's open for business. Because, I mean, why not? They know they've been on the other, the other side of this where they gave away their life to move up to two. 
So that's something. But it's the if it's the Giants, we talked about this yesterday. I can't imagine the Giants walking away from this draft without you know like a Chase Young or I think Jerry Judy would be huge for them, especially to you know get a dynamic target for uh, Daniel Jones. <clears throat> so there's a couple of scenarios in there. And then you look, and these teams are going to play each other. I think the Redskins and Jets haven't played yet, have they? Not yet. Uh, okay. No, not yet. They, they played Dallas. Okay. So that's one. I, the Redskins and Giants, I think, play one more time. Because mm-hmm. NFC East. Uh, and then you just saw the Jets beat the Giants on Sunday. And then the Falcons, too. And I think we're ahead of the Falcons right now. Mm-hmm. I think the Falcons are fifth, is it? Nope, they're sixth. They're behind sixth. Uh, the Jets there. Okay. That, that's a team that, that... That's the one team that worries me in there because I think that you might see a regime change. I think they they could very easily grease Dan Quinn and say, we're done with Matt Ryan. Time time to go ahead and start over. You know, we've got Julio Jones here. we got Calvin Ridley. Let's do something. So that's a team that worries me. But... Anyway, all that's to say, if you're the Dolphins and you have so many picks, like why wouldn't you? It'd be great to use those all on players. I don't think they expect that to happen. I don't expect it to happen. And I brought this up today. I've seen a lot of people claim with how they think that the Dolphins got fleeced on the whole Minka trade and that they better hit right on that pick. Why just include that and sidestep that whole mess? Anyway. Just throw that in there and just be like, okay, now we're moving up and we don't have to ever hear about this ever again because he's playing well. He's a smart player. He's excellent. It just wasn't going to work in Miami. You and I have talked about that before. He didn't want to be there. He had his mom tweeting about it. He didn't want to play strong safety. And it's too bad because I think like he would have done serious damage in this defense, but things didn't work out. You got a first round pick for it, whatever, move on. So uh, anything you want to add to that? Before I move no, on. I, I think that covers everything from, yeah, I think it makes sense to move up. And yeah, there's a chance that if they sit in the same kind of order come April, they may not have to. Yeah, that would be great. I suspect they're going to win a few more games here, though. I, yeah. I don't think I don't think they're done with two. You and I mentioned that yesterday. They could very easily finish with five. You know, so um, and then you're going to I think the last game is against the Patriots, right? And Patriots could just yep. sit everyone at that point. So hopefully that answered some questions there. I fully expect them to try to move up, though. And I think, I don't know who's going to go first. Like, suppose Cincinnati likes, I could see the Dolphins loving Joe Burrow. I can see the Dolphins just being flat out obsessed with Tua to the point where if Tua wasn't picked and they want to get to Tua, I think that they're going to be very aggressive to get that pick. Whereas I think Joe Burrow, they'd be like, yeah, we want that guy. Let's go get him to a, it'd be like Pavlov's dogs. Yep. So that, you know, what am I? I'm just some dumbass sitting at home making stuff up. Uh, all right. So this next one, let's see here. Oh, uh, this one is actually from uh, Tua in 2020. <laughs> I don't know if he means for president or what. Good. Hopefully. Okay. And he's a- actually asking, this is about Mika Fitzpatrick. This one says, do you think the Dolphins regret making that deal? Do you think they do it differently? What's your take? Oh, man. Uh, no, I don't think so. But I I was confused by people who thought like he was just going to go to Pittsburgh and not be a good player. 
Because mm-hmm. I mean, he he is a good player. He's highly his football IQ is stupid high. The upside is when isn't that what we talked about over the summer in the spring somewhere around there? I mean, mm-hmm. the up the upside is not sky high, but he's got a high floor, which I think is what you prefer, especially if you're going to make a trade like that. I mean, you don't and certainly not something you're gonna you're gonna risk. But he's pretty is he free safety right now? I have to imagine he is in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they're they're playing him over the top, and they've played him a little down in the slot. But again, it's so funny how little anybody wants to play him as that that nickel guy that can come off the edge and do extra things. Like people are so set into playing him at safety. Um, but yeah, they mostly played him as a free safety, like they were playing. Um, God, I can't remember the guy that they drafted from Utah a couple years ago, Davis. For John Davis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, look, I mean, I was excited as anyone when we got Minka Fitzpatrick. I think in today, today's NFL, um, what was maybe the, the game-changing moment in terms of when defenses really started to morph from, okay, it's, not, it's no longer just a 3-4, 4-3 league. To, for me, it's when Dayon Buchanan was a first-round pick. Yeah. When it's like, is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? And it turns into who cares? He can kind of do everything. So we're going to go ahead. I mean, uh, Devin Bush is a guy uh, similar there in terms of. Um, I'm also trying to think uh, back in terms of guys who, when they came out, and it's like people just struggled to put a label on them. I love Mika's skill set in that you can play the nickel. The strong safety is as important in the NFL, I think, as it has been in the past 25 years, which is funny because for a long time it was really turning into a free safeties league. But now with the emergence of that third corner, I think you're really seeing that emphasis on that strong safety who can cover as well as drop down. So, I mean, I love Mika. I love his skill set. As long as he's not on the perimeter, I think he's fantastic. I mentioned the whole free safety thing in Pittsburgh. It's just it's working out there. He's happy. He wasn't happy here. I don't know what went down with him and Brian Flores, but it went from this guy has a fantastic work ethic. He'll do anything. Guy works harder than anyone. Suddenly, it seemed like he didn't want to. He just didn't want to have anything to do with the Dolphins. So, your theory about how it it's easy to to have the kind of ethic and attitude that he had and probably has when you're in Alabama. And you might lose one game a year. And then he comes to Miami and it's just an absolute white hot dumpster fire. So especially, you know, with Adam Case and then you got the new coaching staff coming in and everything. So, I mean, am I off base in any of this? No, and I think I think the way I look at it is did the Dolphins want to trade him for a first round pick? No, they wanted to keep him. They wanted to play him. They wanted him to be part of the long term plan. Um, but I mean, I'm sure everyone has dated somebody at some point where you want things to work out long term, but then they just start going downhill and you kind of step back and reflect and go, yeah, this probably isn't good for either of us. Let's figure out the best way for this to move forward separate, you know? Um, so it's the same thing. You got to look at the same way. You know, people people need to live their lives. People need to go through their their own experiences, learn what they need to learn, Um become stronger, better people. And and sometimes that's not in the place where 
you may want them to be. Um, they have their own path to go and, and Minka just didn't want to be in Miami, whether it was with the coaching staff or the losing or whatever it was, it just wasn't working for him. So, you know, the dolphins maximized what they could do for their end of it. And he got the best out of his end of it. So at the end of the day, I don't think they wanted to trade him, uh, but when things went south and weren't going to improve, they just maximized their breakup as much as possible. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty when it comes to this kind of thing. People are always so quick to point to when a player goes to another team and does well right off the bat, and then I mean, they it just turns into they have like this seller's regret. He's a good player. He was going to play well wherever he went for the most part, barring like a just a unsalvageable situation. I mean, he's a really good player. He's going to have a great career. He wasn't going to go to Pittsburgh and suck. It's not like Pittsburgh was going to be like, what the hell did we just pay for? That wasn't going to be the case. Uh, I wish him well. I mean, I'm I'm sad that it didn't work out here, but sometimes that's just the way it, it just goes. So, you know, what can you do? Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We have turned into complete sellouts in that we're actually fitting time in for our ads because we have to eat too even <clears throat> even the uh the sort of diy shows like this one uh we need to go ahead and we have to be backed by corporations let's be honest so we'll be right back right after this okay so i've got another i've got another draft email but i i like this question even though it's super simple and right to the point so indulge me uh, he wants to know, suppose the Dolphins finish and he just gave us the fifth pick. What would your plan of attack be? Would you trade up for a guy? And if so, who would you trade up for? If you stay at five, what would you do? How do you incorporate the other first round picks in it? Boy, that covers things. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough one. Um, I'm scrambling now to bring up my board because usually I have that every show, but I forgot to do it this time. Um, again, we talked about ending up at five. Um, I think ending up at five means you still get a pretty damn good player. Um, you know, if you're hanging tight at five, more than likely, I'm thinking there's a chance that a quarterback ends up there if nobody bumps ahead of you. Um Chances are with the way the two quarterbacks are at the top of the board, somebody's going to make a move. So if you say two is gone, Joe Burrow's gone, I'm going to assume Chase Young's gone. Um, I think the fourth person off the board becomes a little bit of choice there. Um, and we'll say that either the Jets or Atlanta bump in there, which both of them could use an offensive tackle or or Jets could use J- Jared Judy too. So but I think at the end of the day, I think worst case scenario, you're looking at potentially walking away with Jerry Judy or Andrew Thomas or whoever the top tackle ends up being. Um, if you stay pat, I think that would be pretty successful. Um, again, uh, I don't know if that's what everybody would want after the tank that we've been supposedly sold. Um, but I mean, any other year, if you can get the top wide receiver possible and like the top wide receiver by a large margin or the top offensive tackle in a draft class where you need one, most teams will take that as a top five pick. Um, I think at that point, you make your move up for your quarterback, get your guy, you know, you got to start shooting your shot now. Um, You can't really wait and hold off. So at that point, if you're still only at five, you're not going to have to sell the house, I don't think, to move up to two or three or something like that. So I'd probably move up and take a quarterback at that point. 
shoot your shot, get the the rebuild going uh, ahead of schedule here. Yeah, I can't say that any better myself. I would take, honestly, before you put that whole plan out, I would have said I would take preferably Miller, or excuse me, preferably Thomas. Um, if Jerry Judy's there, I'm sh- certainly not thumbing my nose at that. And then I probably look at that Steelers pick to trade up to get because I mean quarterbacks are always going to rise it it would be great to say hey we'll just wait for our quarterback at 22 I don't think that it's going to work that way I think that they're going to push with that pick to move up and get their guy and if that were Jordan Love I think that'd be cool uh it seems like Dolphins internet Twitter dumpster fire is split on whether Justin Herbert is amazing or if he sucks so that's something to consider although i feel a whole lot better about the whole justin herbert scenario seeing that this team can actually coach Mm -hmm. and i think and i mentioned this and uh, we can get in this now context matters when it comes to drafting a quarterback how many quarterbacks come into a situation where the coach the coaching is absolutely terrible and they thrive anyway Mm -hmm. it just it just doesn't happen that often so i don't know um with the guys that we have in there, I will take on Herbert. That'd be fine. It's not my preferred thing, but if they do it, I'll find a way to back it. Jordan Love intrigues me. Uh, boy, Utah State is kind of stripped down for parts this yeah, year, yeah. too, on the offensive side of the football. So that's something to consider. But then again, I mean, not to make a direct comparison, but I think Dan Marino had a horrible last year at Pitt, and I think he threw more interceptions than touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. So your last year, I mean, whatever, Uh, because I know he's had some struggles. And then we've talked about Fromm on this on this podcast, too. I expect he'll move up. I think he's too good to be a guy where it's like, hey, he'll slip to the second round. He's a guy who used to slip to the second round, like Drew Brees slipping to the second round in 2001 because teams are like, ah, you know, we're not sure about his size. We're not sure about his arm. Fromm will get the same thing. People will will question some of the the arm things on him and whatnot. But I mean, he's got a super high f- football IQ. You mentioned that last week. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's, he's going to go first round. So, all right. That's interesting. Uh, a couple of things we can talk about here. We talked about taco last week. Uh, do you want to brag about a uh, uh, Vince Beagle? <laughs> Vince Beagle, Vince Beagle. He, it's so funny because one of my favorite things is that you know, there's a lot of people that watch the NFL that just, for some reason, don't have an interest in college. And then when players get drafted, if if they're a big name, they know them. That's great. If not, it just is what it is. Um, but you know, like it's so funny that Vince Beagle's playing really well, and people are like, "Who is this guy? Where did he come from?" Um, when he was outstanding at Wisconsin. The problem was he got a bad knee injury um, his last year there, so he fell in the draft. But, I mean, if he doesn't get hurt, he's like a day-two pick no problem um, in that draft. And he was just so good. You know, he does everything that you'd want in a Brian Flores, Patriots kind of defense. Um, again, we've talked a lot about the looks that they'll give from uh, an odd front with an, an, an over-under kind of setup. And he's an ideal guy to be that stand-up fourth defensive lineman. Um, you know, he's, he's got length to him. He knows how to use his hands. He's, he's not the most athletic guy, but he's got enough athleticism to, to put some pressure on the quarterback and run guys down. Um, 
But I mean, at the end of the day, like it's if if you are not a big college football watcher, um, if that's just because you haven't had a preference to watch it in the past, I would recommend even if you just look for whatever the top you know two rated teams that are playing each each Saturday, just watch one game because you'll come out and just know so many more players just because you've heard their name even once. Um, where like guys like this will be so much less of a surprise to you. Uh, it, it's you know, Saturdays are tough because if you're going to give up your whole Sunday for the NFL, um, where I do the inverse, I, I'll watch a full day of college football on Saturday and Sunday comes around and I will I will make it through three quarters of Dolphins football and move on with my day. Um, at least they've treated me to that the past year or two since they've been really bad. Um, and to be well, to be fair, this season, they've kind of done the same thing where they treat their fans to three quarters of football and then they're yeah. done. Uh, except for the last two games, that's that's different. But. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, sorry, I mean no, 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 that's, I mean, but that's, that's kind of how I handle it at this point. But Vince Beagle, again, he's a guy, his, his athleticism and football IQ meet up to the point where he was always going to overachieve his status. Um, again, like, like we talked about Taco, I don't think he's going to be a guy that becomes your primary pass rusher or anything like that. I think he's a guy that on certain weeks, against certain teams that have certain deficiencies deployed in the right way, he will cause an issue for teams that can't handle um, a balanced pass rush with a guy that's flexible on the outside. Um, and I, I, again, I, I think you've seen with Brian Flores and the staff that they've done a nice job, especially in the last two games, um, beating matchups where like, that's all, especially in the Gase era, the amount of times, and he's doing it in New York right now too, where like you, ha- especially you have a running back that's one of the best receiving running backs in football and you refuse to use him that way. You know, you you have guys that, you know, there's a, a week that you have an offensive tackle that's a little slow-footed but is pretty hefty with his hands. Okay, beat him with speed that week. Move some guys around. And we just haven't seen that with the Dolphins until this year. Yeah, it's exciting because, I mean, let's be honest, it's been about 20 years of shitty coaching, so I can see why Dolphins Twitter is so conflicted right now. They don't know what it's like when good coaching stares them in the face, but these are, again, you're you're not beating good teams right now, but seeing as how you were getting outscored at a historic rate early this season and you've improved, they've improved every week. I mean, like, it, they didn't really have anywhere to go but up after the Ravens game week one, obviously. But you look, that Pittsburgh game, they should have won. Uh, Washington, I mean, the, they went for, what was the joke? They went for Tua at the end of that game. Yeah. Too. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think I got to credit Fred Smoot on that one. And then last two weeks, you have to figure Adam Gase wanted to win that game. I mean, he just, that guy cannot win in South Florida to save his life. Um, that holds true. They win. They go into Indy. They win on the road, and you've got unusual guys. The not the usual names contributing. We mentioned Nick Needham, Eric Rowe. I mean, Eric Rowe was just an absolute just turd at there at one point, and was just getting targeted by teams blatantly. But you'll notice, like they bring in Taco, and things change on the defensive line a little bit. Even Charles Harris played well last Sunday and like he's just like given fans fits since uh since he was drafted because I mean they saw like this 
this sexy pass rusher with a killer spin move, but really not much else to offer. But it seems like they put him in a position, they did last uh, Sunday at least, where you're seeing more from him. Uh, The big story right now, Christian Wilkins looks, looks outstanding. Yeah, I mean him. Him and Godchar are are a great duo at this point. I, what's the stat that they've been throwing out there? Godchar is like since he was drafted, he's like the eighth, the defensive interior player with the eighth most tackles or something like that. Um, he has like a hundred and twenty something tackles since he was drafted, um, which is outstanding. You know, uh, it's not sexy. Um, he's not a guy that's getting a bunch of sacks as a defensive tackle but a sturdy zero one tech kind of guy that can flex out and, and be a one gap uh, three tech kind of guy too, when you want to, when you want to go wide nine and just send everyone um, is a huge asset to have. And, and I mean, Christian Wilkins, you know, if you watch Christian Wilkins in the past, you knew he was a crazy athlete, you know, he plays disciplined football. He's a smart guy. Um, and he's just doing what the coaching staff asked him to do. You know, if if it's a a two gap scheme look that they want them to run this week, or or that even that play, he'll he'll hold it down and then just shed a blocker and, and make a tackle. You know, if it, it's a, a one gap, you know, three tech, you know, hell four, a four look like that, they're just sending dudes. He'll go, and he has the athleticism to do it. So, I think for the first time in a long time, the defensive interior looks really good. Um, this is as promising as it's looked since they had was it was sue and jordan phillips on the same time frame yeah yeah that was the last time and jordan phillips just never put it all together even though he was a stupid good athlete at oklahoma too yeah it's funny everyone thought that the issue with him was going to be his back because he had those issues and then it just turned into more of a didn't get along with i mean who didn't add daddy gaze piss off yeah. Here. I mean that yeah, and that was too bad because I really liked that Jordan Phillips pick when they when they made that in twenty fifteen. All right, you wanna re- we'll read one more and then let's uh let's fold it up before people decide that they're never gonna listen to us ever again. Oh, by the way, we got an email from someone who listened to us in Japan. So Really? Yeah, so we're huge in Japan. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. We're taking this out on a world tour. Yeah, this feels legit. Um okay. This one is from Dolphins with three Z's at the end, which is actually kind of funny because I don't know if that means like sleepy and they suck. I don't know. I'm amused. Though. I like that. I appreciate it. That's good. He wants to. He said, oh, we actually talked about this a little bit when uh, we kind of did our show prep yesterday. The Dolphins defense looks better every week. What do they need to add this offseason going forward to go from a promising young unit to something that can be top five? Huh? They could start with adding Vernon Hargraves tomorrow. I wanted to mention that. (laughs) So I I saw that today. You have been undying and faithful to Vernon Hargraves since he was since he was a prospect out of the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like it never worked with Tampa. Has any defensive back worked with Tampa? No, not since not since the Dungy slash Gruden era. There, I mean, yeah, I, I feel Bar- like Barber Barber's the last memorable defensive back that they had that they didn't screw up. Yeah, even even you know Akib Talib's best years were not in Tampa. No, not even close. You know, so 
I don't know. Um, this is interesting, though. If you're looking at the draft, I mean, it's a no-brainer to say, like, if you added Chase Young, I mean, look out. Because, I mean, you just mentioned that promising young interior, and now you're just adding a an absolute monster at as a pass rusher there. Um, um, I'm, I'm trying thinking. to pull up the 2020 free agents really quick to yeah, remember that's... who exists. Um, Von Miller is never going to make it to the market. Davion Clowney is mm-hmm. going to get paid. Everson Griffin don't want to invest in that too old. Um, Dante Fowler. I think he would bring the same thing that Charles Harris just hasn't done. Um, and I think the defense can get along without that. Um, so I don't think that's something that they'll need. Somebody that I could see them paying money to, um, depending on what they do with um, uh, who's that that defensive end that they've been playing that they picked up off the street this year that's been playing well too. What is his name? Ninety five. Oh my god. I don't know, but you know who I'm talking about. But if they didn't want to bring him back and they wanted to run odd looking fronts with Christian Wilkins as a weird five tech Godshaw inside and Michael Brockers as your other five tech that I could get behind. Um, Michael Brockers has, he had a a good start to his career. It kind of fell off. They, they got Aaron Donald. They, they had Sue and it just, he, he like never got reinvigorated until, you know, the end of last year, this year. Um, but he's a dude that I could see them bringing in as a, a crazy five tech defensive end interior kind of guy. Another guy that they could look at who's had some injury issues himself, but is still only 26 and still could be molded a little bit is uh, Ronald Darby too. Ronald Darby could be a, a solid corner option there. Um, again, you need a, you need a second boundary option besides for X. Um, X, X, you know, that's fine. If they never throw at him, that's great. But like at that point, they're just going to throw at the other guy. And if the other guy ain't no good, you, you got a big problem there. Yeah. Um, I, this is the first time in a long time where I've been really happy with their second level of defense. I love Mm -hmm. what they have going on there, but no pass rushers, a no brainer. I think they, they shorted up a little bit for now in terms of taco taco is an option, but you mentioned taco would always be your, your number two. Anyway, he's not going to be the guy who wreaks havoc in there. He's a, a nice guy to take advantage of matchups. You definitely need something across from X, though. I mean, like that's that's got to be the thing. And funny though that we were talking about the picks. If we had it in the top five, we didn't mention Jeff Okuda. Mm-hmm. Would you do that? That feels a little more risky, right? Because he's definitely a guy who went from being ah he'll be a late one to no he's probably going top five, top six. I. I haven't done enough film work on him uh, specifically on him. And I haven't watched that many Ohio state games because they're just blowing up the big 10. Um, so I just, I haven't seen enough of him to say, yeah, I would definitely do that. I think he's got the physical traits and tools that you want to see in a guy like that. Um, he's shown that he can find the football. Um, but again, I, I haven't seen enough film directly on him to, to check. I mean, one of the biggest things for corners for me is their feet. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the times people put a lot of 
stock on corners, uh, you know, they get to the combine and they do the thing where they, you know, how do they flip their hips? Yeah, flipping your hips is good. Like if you got to turn and run, but like if dudes are beating you within, you know, 18 inches all the time because your feet are terrible and you can't redirect and you can't, you know, especially for the size that Okuda is, you know, the reason Xavier Howard's so good is because he's got good size. He's got good length. His feet are really good. So he can impose his will based on technique and size on dudes in man to man coverage. Um, So I haven't had enough to look at him to say that I would take him as a top five guy. Yeah. Works for me. All right. Let's hold it up for tonight. We'll get more into this uh, next week. We didn't really talk about um, Tua and Burrow. Uh, We'll we'll go ahead and break this week. Yeah, we got a break from it this week. We'll talk about that next week, or maybe we'll go ahead and do that later this week. Since um, I mentioned, oh, we got a, one email asked where our episodes um, 33 and 34. I have them. I need to put them together. That was when we had all those issues with our, our platform recording. They're like Humpty Dumpty that had a great fall. Yeah, they're all ripped up, but um, they exist. They're raw. I'll put them together. I promise. Maybe this later this week we'll talk about Tua and Burrow because I mean that was a hell of a game and I think very telling in terms of what you would get from each guy at the yep. NFL level, which is all you can hope for when you get a game like that. So uh, for Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for uh, tuning in. If you're in Japan, I really appreciate you listening to us. Please tell your friends. In the meantime, we'll talk to you later.